Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How are you now? How are you now? Right now. Oh. Hello and welcome to episode, uh, what are we on? Episode 17 of the Bottom 6 Minutes Podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and uh, we are here to talk about the Montreal Canadiens uh, second game of the year against the Eastern Conference leading Boston Bruins, uh, who they really took it to in their first opportunity to play them. Um, just kind of anxious I was to see were they going to be able to put up anything close to what they did in that first opportunity. We're going to get you to the recap and everything else that goes with it. Uh, but first, the last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are also all in full swing, and Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And this game, before it even started, <laughs> the Bruins, for whatever reason, were raising Stanley Cup banners for 1970 and 1972. Might remind anybody who wasn't alive back then, even though I wasn't alive back then, that the Montreal Canadiens won the 1971 Stanley Cup. And after 1972, when the Bruins won their second, um, the Habs went on to dominate that entire decade. So it was kind of funny to me. I know as Habs fans, we're not supposed to really talk shit about ceremonies because we have won seemingly every other game at the Bell Center. But it just seemed weird. Like, we're, we're putting up really old banners. I made the joke on Twitter. I said, hey, you know, the next time the Bruins come to the Bell Center, uh, we should go ahead and throw up, uh, re-throw up Stanley Cup banners for all of our 70s Cup wins. Uh, and people responded with uh, exactly the correct response, which is that it would take a fucking hour for them to get through that because the Habs won so much in that decade. I don't know. But anyways, uh, I thought it was funny. And uh, what I didn't think was funny was... Um, how the game ended up going. Um, and again, you guys know I'm not giving away the score until the end of the recap this year, but um, most of you have probably already watched the game, or at least you know the score, so you know it didn't go super great for the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, they did do what I said, though, the Habs. Uh, in the last episode, I talked about promoting Jesse Elin, and, um, and they did. They put him on the second line with Sean Monaghan and Uri Slavkovsky. Um, and they just did a bit of a shakeup in their top six. Cole Caulfield was back on the top line uh, with Nick Suzuki and Alex Newhook. Uh, it was a new look for them, and I, you know, I was I was curious, what is this going to look like? And it went pretty well to start the game. They were actually up four uh, two in shots at one point, but that did not last long. Uh, they get 
Jesse Elanen for a really weak hooking call, and then seconds into that power play, Johnny Kovacevic takes a tripping penalty. That makes for a very long five-on-three. Of course, the Bruins are going to score on it. Brad Marchand finds Charlie McAvoy at the top of the circle. He lets go a clapper upstairs. It's one nothing. You knew that was going to happen. Um, and shots were 4-2 to two early for the Habs, as I mentioned. But 15 minutes into the period, they're 14-4. to four in favor of the Bruins. Uh, the Habs picked it up a tad towards the end of the period. They even got themselves up to eight shots on goal. Real nice. But then with 39 seconds left on the clock in the first period, Brandon Carlo gets a point shot. It gets tipped by someone. And uh, I think they credited Trent Frederick for it. Um, I'm not too sure it was him that actually tipped it, but it doesn't matter. It's in the net, and it's 2 nothing on their 18th shot. I think they had 19 total shots in the period. Really not a good start if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. And then less than five minutes into the second period, uh, Bruins get a zone entry. Puck to Pavel Zaka, super high in the slot. He's basically at the point. And, uh, yeah, he claps it. It takes a deflection off Jordan Harris and just trickles past Jake Allen over the goal line. 3 nothing is the score. Um uh, at this point, it's, you know, this game could really run away from them fast. However, almost 15 minutes into the damn game, the Habs finally get something going. The top line dumps it in. Really good forecheck by Alex Newhook. He gets it back to Nick Suzuki in Gretzky's office behind the net. Suzuki sauces it out front to Uri Slavkovsky, and he snipes one. Far side, it's 3-1. to one. The Habs have a little bit of life, but of course... Less than two minutes after that goal goes in, that life is sucked right back out of him. Uh, Trent Frederick just comes in on the left side. He shoots low and somehow fools Jake Allen. I thought that was one that Allen probably should have had, uh, but it goes in short side, and it's 4-1. That's your score going into the third period, and things get worse in the third. Uh, Brad Marchand fires a long shot about five minutes in. Uh, it gets finished off in front by James Van Riemsdyk. It's basically already over at this point, but... Uh, you know what? The Habs, they fight back a little bit. Johnny Kovacevic, about four minutes and change left in the game. Uh, he's pushing all the way into the offensive zone. He gets a pass out front from Christian Dvorak, gets a couple of cracks at it, and he manages to get it through, makes it 5-2, to two, but that's it. Shots were 44-22 to 22 in favor of the Bruins. You just aren't going to win games like that. It's... <laughs> You know, you, you might win a few games where you get outshot, like literally double the shots that you put on goal, but you're going to need your goaltender to be otherworldly. And uh, Jake Allen, it's it's not that he was bad. There was only one goal. It was the, the second Frederick goal that I thought he should have had, but um, he, he wasn't that good where he can, you know, erase the fact that you got doubled up on the shot count. It's, it's uh Two games in a row now where they've had, you know, a really concerning departure from the way that they played those same teams previously. They had Vegas. The first time they played Vegas, they played them really well, right? Um, then they play them the second time, not so well whatsoever. Boston, play them the first time, super well. Second time, not so well whatsoever. So, you know, this team is pretty brutally inconsistent. That's what we're looking at. And you know what? That's not... Um, necessarily the worst thing in the world i know a lot of people are upset right now watching these games um i see it on twitter i, I see it in our comments on habs eyes and the prize but it, it's not the worst thing that this team is inconsistent we know that they're capable of better games and that's the good news they're capable of skating with these teams they're just not capable of doing it consistently and as long as they stay the course and they keep working on this rebuild properly they keep adding players uh, they keep adding through the draft 
eventually they're going to get to a point where they can be more consistent uh, and we can see those those good efforts on a nightly basis instead of wondering, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde effect, which one's going to show up uh, on any given night. Um, this was, unfortunately, one of the bad nights. Um, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, park that one and, uh, you know, get on to the next game and, and try to look a little bit better. There were, at least, some good news items to talk about in that game. And that brings me to the silver lining of the night, which, uh, again, for the, the second time in the last, what, four games, hits your ass, Lovkovsky. Um, I thought he had a great game on, on a very not great night, and um, it's it's hard to <laughs> it's it's hard to look that decent. I don't want to say great. Um, it's it's hard to have a decent game when your team is falling apart around you. Um, playing on a new line um, with you know new line mates, he was not uh, he was not bad, and I I think you could make an argument that he was the best forward out there for the Montreal Canadiens. And obviously he scored a big goal. Uh, well, big goal is maybe uh, a bit of an overstatement there because it, it didn't really do a whole lot uh, in the context of actually affecting the outcome of that game. But it was a good goal. He put himself in a good position uh, to receive a pass from Nick Suzuki and just hammer it home. And look, I, I, I think... Again, you could argue that he was the best player on the ice from a forward standpoint for the Montreal Canadiens for sure, and maybe overall for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, that's not that's a, that's a low bar when they when they played that badly, but at the same time, uh, he's he's a young player that that fans have been hoping to see more from uh, this season, and you know he showed them a little something in that one. Um, so. Uri Slavkovsky, again, second time in, what, the last four games that he's been silver lining of the night, and uh, I enjoyed his performance. Um, I'm hoping to see a little bit more of that from him moving forward, and um, just hopefully the team as well around him can can play a little bit better, and <laughs> we don't have to see uh, any more 5-2 losses. Um, who else can I give sort of silver lining to? Uh, Nick Suzuki was not bad at all. In fact, I would argue that the new first line of Nick Suzuki, Alex Newhook, and Cole Caulfield was not bad. Um, I think that's something that maybe they can stick with moving forward. I talked about this uh, a few games back. Uh, I want to say at least two, maybe three games back, where I said it might be time to abandon this experiment of separating Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, and they did that here. Um, Newhook has also been struggling a little bit on and off. it worked, all right? It, did it work to, to the degree that they were hoping it would work? No, but it worked. Um, it was a line that was largely able to keep their head above water during the game. Um, and that, you know, again, low bar, but they they weren't bad. And I think maybe this is something they can run with. I think when they're not playing against, a, you know, a high-octane team, uh, a division, a conference leader like the Bruins, that line might look a little bit better. Um, they, they might be able to, to produce a little bit more. Um, we'll see, of course. It's uh, it's their first game together. Um, but it is something that I think I saw enough in that game where I'd be comfortable uh, with the team continuing to run with that and, and seeing what it can do uh, against other teams in the league that are not the Bruins. Uh, the Bruins are fucking good, aren't they? Um, everybody had them penciled in for maybe missing the playoffs this year, and they have lost one game in regulation. They've lost two games in overtime. One of them was against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, nobody's beaten them. No, 
I don't know what it is because uh, on paper they're certainly not as good as they were last year, but you know on the ice they look better than they were last year. <laughs> it's uh, it's an enigma, and uh, I I I have no words for it. Uh, I gotta say, you know, kudos to that organization for just figuring it out uh, because they just seem to do it time and time again, man. Um, so yeah, the, your silver linings really Slavkovsky and then the new look top line was pretty good. Nick Suzuki did really well. Uh, as the pivot for that line outside of those silver linings there's not a whole lot of positives you can take from this game it was rough it was rough the breakouts um i I gotta talk about the breakouts one more time it is such a problem uh with forwards flying the zone and with just a complete lack of structure to the breakout they constantly find themselves getting caught they constantly find themselves trying these little chip plays just to get the puck out of their zone and it's the NHL, man. Like defenders and opposing forwards, they have the ability to pick those pucks out of the air. And when you're just floating a soft one out of the zone, they're going to get it. We saw way too much of that against the Bruins, and we've been seeing way too much of it lately. Um, I really hope that's the next thing that they start working on more in practice. We saw them working with the shooter tutor uh, in, in, in a recent practice, I want to say just the other day. And it you know, maybe had a little bit of an impact. Like, Uri Slavkovsky obviously scored a pretty nice, uh, you know, quick, um, you know, catch-and-shoot goal uh, from pretty tight into the Bruins' net. So maybe he gained a little bit from those practices. I hope the next thing that they're going to start working on is the breakout because they just don't have enough forward support, um, and it's it's causing them to look for these weak clearing attempts that get intercepted, and then the other team is just, you know, coming right back on the attack. It's... They have to fix that because it's it's get it's the reason why they're getting outshot so badly because anytime they get the puck in their own zone, uh, the other team puts pressure on them. The forwards bail out, and the 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 D or you know the center whoever's trying to carry it out, they're just they're incapable of actually clearing their own zone, and it's really really brutal to watch at times. So that's the next thing that they really need to concentrate on in practice, as far as I'm concerned, and I hope that they do. I don't really have anything else to say about that game. That was that was shockingly bad. Um, I guess, you know, to stretch the podcast a little bit, we could talk about my, apparently I've got beef with PJ Stock. <laughs> I was watching the uh, Laval Rocket game yesterday, and uh, after the game they had Ante Chambre on, uh, on RDS, as they always do, and I just tweeted out. It was like, you know, his level of French uh, is, it's not there for me. Um, and I think it should probably disqualify you from being on TV at RDS. And he came back today and he's like, eh, what do I do? Am I going to come at you for your lack of hockey knowledge? Your, your tweets better be on point, buddy. Um, what is that, a threat? And you're going you're gonna to search my tweets like you search your own name clearly on Twitter? Go ahead. Go ahead. I got bad takes. And you're going to find bad takes. Sure. And it's, it's not going to change. You didn't respond to the fact that your French is bad. Alors, j'assume que t'es d'accord que ton français, c'est pas assez bon pour être sur RDS, puis euh, peut-être que tu devrais céder ton rôle à quelqu'un qui parle français de vrai. I don't know. Um, it's not going to be me, I'll tell you that much, because I'm not on TV. So I don't know why you're upset about a tweet where I happen to opine that your French is not good enough for a French network. Uh, whatever, dude. Um, there was a lot of people coming at me. I had one person that came at me and said, oh, yeah, it was whatever it's go with a blog in his mom's basement. Yeah, my um, uh, my response was, well, my mom kicked me out of the basement a while ago and I moved into the garage. 
that's where I broadcast from now is my mom's garage. I totally don't own my own house um, at 33 years old. Whatever you say, buddy. Anyways, I might have been a tad mean to PJ Stock. So PJ, if you're listening, I know you've already threatened to go through my tweets and expose me or, or call me terrible, whatever it was that you said. Um, I apologize if you were offended by my tweet. Uh, there's a very simple solution is you can go to uh, duolingo.com and you can practice um, speaking a new language. I have personally been learning Spanish on Duolingo and have become quite proficient with the language. So now I know three languages and I can tell you to go fuck yourself in all of them. I'm not going to do it on Twitter. I'm not going to have a back and forth with you. I don't think it's worth it. I made an opinion or I posted an opinion rather of your French speaking and you took offense to it. Um, I don't really care. I don't really care, and I don't think RDS is going to fire you because one of their viewers happens to not like what you do on the air. So, um, whatever. That was a funny addition to the night to have all of that going on in my mentions. What wasn't funny was what I saw from the Montreal Canadiens. They really need to be better, and I'm hoping that we see some better action from them coming up because this road trip is not going to get any easier for them. It really isn't. (laughs) Um... They're going to California, which is usually the first time they go to California every year. Everybody knows. They suck. I don't know what it is. The first time that they head out west, specifically California, it just turns into an absolute shit show. They've got the Ducks on Wednesday. They've got the Sharks on Friday. And then they've got the Kings on Saturday. I personally am going to be in Montreal for all three of those games. Uh, I'm going to visit some friends. Uh, I'm going to go stay at my brother's house there, and we're going to hang out. We're going to watch some football for American Thanksgiving. So all three of those games, I'm going to be recording my episodes from Montreal, even though the Habs are not actually going to be there. Um, We'll see. We'll see, right? The the Wednesday game is going to be a late one, folks, so don't be surprised if I have my episode out the next day just because I'm going to be driving all day on Wednesday from uh, New Brunswick out to Montreal. Uh, so just fair warning. Uh, might be a little bit late on that one. Might be the next day, but it'll, be, it'll get out. It'll get out. And um, we'll see what the Montreal Canadiens have to offer because, um, look, at the very least, they do have travel, but they have plenty of time to acclimate themselves to the new time zone and everything. So they're going to probably be able to go to Anaheim a couple of days early, get a practice or two in there. I'm hoping at the very least that the Ducks and Sharks games look really good. The Kings are a better team than the other two, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Habs get slaughtered in that one. But the other two games, I'm looking at those two and I'm saying you need to be competitive. I need to see you actually play well against those two teams, especially the Sharks. The Sharks are, are horrifically bad this season. There's no excuse for you to go into that game and not put together a good performance. So, um, big road trip. Um, it usually doesn't go well for them. I'm hoping to see a little bit of a departure from that, from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, this season considering the strength of the teams that they have uh, to play against so uh, Ducks game should be a good one Sharks game should be a fucking walkthrough Kings game that's the next one that might look a little bit more similar to the one that we just saw against the Bruins so hopefully the Montreal Canadiens can figure it the fuck out and last thought that I'm going to leave you with is those lines that they ran 
I think keep running those lines. I think don't abandon them because you had one bad game. Um, I think the way that they structured those lines, again, and I'm biased because this is the, the way that they structured them was very similar to what I've been asking for on this podcast for the last four or five games. Um, I think stick with it. Stick with it. Try to tinker with the systems. Try to tinker with the strategy that you're using. Um, I think that the configuration that they have is maybe the best that they've come up with since Kirby Doc went down with an injury. So um, I'm going to leave you on that. You know, good news. It seems like they're at least willing to make some changes, and it seems like those changes may be taking effect. How long are we running? Uh, we're not even running 20 minutes. So since soirée est typique pour les employés de soutien, we are on Spotify. Google Play, um, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate that very much. But PJ Stock would not appreciate it because he doesn't like me. Um, <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Um, thank you as always for listening, and of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.